From the nation's capital, this is Use Your Voice with Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Use Your Voice. This is Penny Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America. We're having a great opportunity today as mothers of college-age children to come together and just ruminate on the idea of the empty nest. (laughs) And let me just say, this has been a real shocker for me. Joining me today is Doreen Denny, who is the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for Concerned Women for America, and Tony Delancey, our Chief Operating Officer at Concerned Women for America. All three of us have in common the fact that we have children in college. Two of us are empty nesters, Doreen and I, and Tony almost is an empty nester. Ladies, welcome. Welcome to Use Your Voice. I have to be honest. (laughs) I thought I was ready for this. You know, you would think of all people. I've been so busy. I've worked part-time for a number of years, and then about 10 years ago, I went back to work full-time. I have a very full life. I have a great husband. I have lots of friends. I had no idea the grief that would envelop me at the um, launching of my youngest child. Uh, Most of you know, or many of you may know, my son, my youngest, was dropped off at college just a few weeks ago. Even leading up to that time, my husband and I both <laughs> would, you know, catch our catch moments where we've been crying. And I, we said goodbye. He he's at Corps Cadets at Virginia Tech, and he had he had Cadet Week, which is like basic training for you military moms. It's very tough. Like you have you're there, you have no contact with them at all. And then we were allowed to go back for closing ceremonies and all of that. And then we had to say goodbye again. Mm-hmm. And we cried. Both of us were just so. Um, tearful and I got in the car and we drove off and I said you would have thought we were sending him to Fallujah <laughs> like instead of just leaving him in Blacksburg it was ridiculous I know it's ridiculous but yet it's real it is so real can I can I just say I watched my mom go through this and Tell I, us about I that, realized Tony. just by watching her she was in so much pain she had two daughters I was the youngest mm-hmm. so when I went away to college I realized, you know, that this was a life-changing event for her. Mm -hmm. And it took her years and years. I don't think she really ever got over it. And so I took that with me and learned Mm -hmm. by watching my mother. Did your your mother work outside the home? Like, she did. Okay, She very much did. And, you know, but she did. She really loved being a mother Mm -hmm. to to little children at home. Mm -hmm. And so I was blessed, you Mm -hmm. know, to have four children. She had two. And um, just by God's grace, I was able to kind of spread that out a little bit longer. And starting in 2014, mm-hmm. my first child flew out of the nest. Two years later, the second flew out of the nest. Three years later, 2019, my third. And I can tell you, it, it's a, a sense of loss mm-hmm. each time. It is. And the family dynamic changes. Mm-hmm. So I feel for you, Penny. Oh, my. So, Doreen, you just had this. So you just dropped off a kid at... James Madison, yeah, right? So we, uh, so my son is now a senior in college, and my daughter entering her second year, a mm-hmm. sophomore. So last year was sort of my, um, my, the feeling of okay, this is it. They're they're launching now uh, beyond home, and uh, not to mention, but our our sweet dog who had taken them all the way through childhood and adolescence and and got him to college, um, breathed his last oh, breath the day before gosh. that she left to college, and I thought, well. 
So this idea of, of the empty nest is truly empty. So my husband and I looked at each other and thought, wow, I mean, this is a new season. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's one that you do anticipate. I mean, it was, uh, I did have the, the privilege of staying home with them. And so, um, you know, which for better or for worse, sometimes you think, well, you feel the loss a little bit more acutely because your days were organized a bit differently. But at the same time, I think I was able to start that process of preparing for their departure mm -hmm. a couple of years earlier when my son first went away to school. And I do think that that was an important recognition. I, I realized that um, I was going to be faced with something that was a transition like I hadn't experienced for a very long time, really, since uh, exiting the workplace to go and become a mother and have mm -hmm. that be, be my, my, my work for the days. Um, and so I did take that to heart and, and of course had some good mentors of women that had gone before me um, to, to really think about that. Uh, it's important to realize that it's a process. It's not an event. It's not just, right. you know, the dropping mm -hmm. them off does feel like an event and it certainly is. But, but that was one of the things that helped me is realizing that we're going to have those memory moments. We're going to have them at, at funny times or just things that you'll be recalling at the moment. And, and having your tears come and, and, to, and to really having a sense of grief, but also a sense of celebration around that too is an important thing for us to be very in tune with. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's probably the thing that I continue to, to have those moments, uh, even now that they're both off. And mm -hmm. actually last summer, both were working in different states over the summer. So I really have had almost an entire <coughs> year mm -hmm. where it's felt like, uh, even though many of their personal belongings are still in our space, um, you know, their presence is no longer with us. And, and, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a joy and it is, and it is a great sorrow. I'm going to try to get through this without needing Kleenex, but I can't <laughs> promise that I won't. Um, first, I think it says something, and I'd love to hear your all's thoughts on this, uh, that we view motherhood as such an exalted status. I mean, it's not that it was easy. In fact, you're saying how much you loved having little children. I have to be honest, I didn't. <laughs> it was really hard. That was the hardest time in my entire life, honestly, because it was every day was a struggle for me to, and, you know, and I, I struggled. I was, I was depressed some days mm -hmm. and lonely some days and anxious mm -hmm. some days. And I was constantly afraid somebody was going to kidnap them and, you know, just crazy stuff, you right, know, went right. through my head. And, um, and I was home for a number of years during that time or else I worked like just part-time inside the home, like 10 hours a week was a lot of my life for like 13 years, in fact. But I think for Christian women, we take it so seriously. I'm not saying that others don't, but I we particularly believe that children are a gift of the Lord. They're His reward. Mm -hmm. And we have, there's a certain expectation and responsibility that comes with that little bundle of joy mm -hmm. that we feel acutely, that mantle of motherhood on our shoulders. And I'm sure our husbands feel it as well and, you know, in, they're in, in a different way. But I almost think Christian women maybe feel this even more acutely because we are we take the, our biblical duty of this so sincerely, and we we struggle so hard on our knees prayerfully and every day as we walk that out. I don't know your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, I would just say you know I think it depends on how you look at the whole journey that mm -hmm. Doreen kind of describes. Yes, you know, motherhood is wonderful, but you, you know, the Bible verse about a, a time to be born, a time to die. I mean, this is just a new time. Mm -hmm. And I think your relationship with your child also mm -hmm. can really grow during this time. You can move into just a new way of dealing with them while they're at college, you know, or 
in a new career mm -hmm. after they graduate. And so that's what I'm finding. My, I'm seeing so much in the kids that I raised with my wonderful husband doing such neat things, and I see how God's using them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just very thankful. And so I think it's like anything we do, it depends on how you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. You can look at it, you know, with great positivity or the loneliness and the depression and, you know, and focus on the good. And yeah. so that's what I'm trying to do. All right. Well, we are going to we're going to be back in just a minute and we're going to talk about when we come back um, the challenges of the fact that your children are out of your immediate responsibility and what life looks like that and sort of the fear and trepidation that goes with that. So thank you for uh, joining us at Use Your Voice. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Welcome back to Use Your Voice. I'm Penny Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America. And joining me today is Tony Delancey and Doreen Denny of Concerned Women for America. We all have in common that we have children in college, and we were earlier talking about the empty nest syndrome, and it's real, I found <laughs> out. Um, and now I just wanted to kind of move into something else that I think plays into maybe part of the, the stress that goes with being a, an empty nest, because you've had your little children in your nest, you know, we could, and I, you, listen, in Northern Virginia where I live, there's a lot of helicopter parents. You said you weren't, I maybe, I maybe was a little <laughs> bit. I, I, not over the top, but certainly not, not over the top in comparison with other parents I knew, but may, certainly more than my own parents, let's just be real. And maybe in reaction to that a little bit. But I just had an experience that has gotten a lot of attention around the country. I keep having people like reach out, oh my goodness, we just read a piece and then realized it was you at the end. And and that is the fact that dropping my son off at or, at orientation or going for orientation, I had an experience, this, this wake-up call of what, unfortunately, other parents around the country have been experiencing for many years. And I have to confess that I didn't know, really. I mean, I kind of knew. I knew sort of in in sort of an abstract way without actually experiencing it firsthand. And that is that our children are stepping into a world that is, is um, embracing and denying basic biology. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, my daughter went to Liberty University, so I didn't experience this. So, you know, my son who wants to be an engineer has chosen the math and science school and worked hard to be accepted the math and science school of the state of Virginia, which is Virginia Tech. It's our hard science school. Mm -hmm. So I was surprised when I went to orientation. And the political correctness that ruled the day was shocking. And I, can, I wrote a piece in The Federalist that got a lot of attention. And I have to admit, I wrote it. I came back. And sometimes you shouldn't email mad. Sometimes you shouldn't write mad. <laughs> I may have been a little mad still when I wrote it, but certainly in shock. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as time's gone on and I, I've looked back on, you know, what I wrote, I still 100% embrace and agree with it. Maybe I don't feel quite as emotional about it at the time. But I realized that 
there was a whole nother world going on in our school system, in our state-sponsored school system, in our, our public institutions. And it, the way it looked for me is um, at this orientation, and I lay out a whole bunch of things. You should read the piece in the Federalist if you get the chance. Come to ConcernWomen.org, and you can read the entire piece. But the biggest moment came when during this two-hour time frame, every person that got up, and it was between 10 and 20 people, they chose to give their name, like, hi, I'm Penny Nance. I work for whatever. And then they decided to share how they identified, the pronoun that they identified with. And the first couple of times it happened, parents were like, what is going on? By the end, it was so heavy-handed, people were mad. So it's, I'm Penny Nance. I identify as she and her. And then they go on to say what they were going to say. Now, let me just tell you, there were no plot twists there. Everybody looked just exactly kind of like what you would think they would look. <laughs> right. So then you realize, wait a minute, there's a speech code here. And then later I found out that, you know, that, by the way, they have separated the parents and the kids. And I start to realize, I look, and the kids have on their lanyards that they had to fill out to attend orientation what their identifying pronouns were. So the pushback of the school has been, well, we didn't force them. But when you look at the forms that they filled it out, it wasn't obvious that you could opt out. And besides that, it certainly was coercive. And now I know even more so it was because now I'm hearing stories that when the kids were split up, they went on tours that not in every group, but in many groups, whoever was leading the tour, the staff member, the student were told to ask the kid their name and their identifying pronoun. So these little 17 and 18 year olds who want to fit in, it's their first day out, are asked to make a very serious judgment on their belief system. They are coerced into joining in and being part of really what is Gnosticistic and shockingly subversive mm -hmm. of what we believe on biblical principles, what the Bible says about creation, about male and female, what we believe on basic biology, and it's really sexual nihilism. But these kids aren't prepared to make that whole kind of judgment. And then, by the way, what about the kid that's struggling? What about the kid that really isn't sure and, and is, is struggling with identity issues? You're going to demand at this moment that, in, that this kid come out to you on their badge? or in this group of people they don't know, as opposed to having time to work through it with their pastor, with a health professional, with their rabbi, whoever it is. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I wrote the piece sort of decrying like what is going on, and since then I realized it's all over the country. But we have gotten an amazing response. Certainly people were very angry at me mm -hmm. for raising the concern, and by the way, that makes me a bigot and a bully, how dare I, and unkind and unchristian, that I raise this issue and say, why is our tax dollar supporting this? I don't believe that the school should be taking a position on this issue. This is not for them to create a speech code in the name of diversity. It's not. And what about Christian kids? How are they supposed to react? Let's give them time to think through what they believe and what they know to be true. But the response has been everything from, I hate you, I can't believe you said this, you're hateful, <laughs> names that I can't repeat, to a lot of response of, thank God somebody said it and welcome to my world. Yeah, You've been getting those. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, so Penny, in your piece, you asked people to write in to the email address universitywhistleblower at cwfa.org. And like you said, the response has just been amazing and more so on the side of support for you. And, you know, it kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier with empty nesters, parents taking their children to college and experiencing exactly the same thing. You know, they're in enough pain as it is dropping their child off and then having to endure some of this 
ridiculousness. It's just a testament to your piece and the amount of response that we have gotten that you really have struck a nerve. Well, we're hearing things from everything from the fact that, yes, my child's now in a school that doesn't recognize basic biology. They don't even recognize species. Like yeah. the stories are getting it's weirder ridiculous. and weirder. Not only can you go from being a woman to identifying as a man simply by saying the words, I'm a man now, but you also can go to different species. So we have stories of, you know, dog boy or fox girl, fox girl who walks around campus and she sniffs her food and licks it up and defecates in public. And our kids are told to embrace and that. And celebrate it. Well, and I think it's really important to recognize that, that this is an ideology, okay? This is a gender identity. Yeah, tell us what's ideology. going on here because this isn't just happening in a vacuum. Right. This is happening right. as a part of this a bigger story. This is you know, a, a, a social value that many of us don't embrace, which is that there is gender nonconformity, that we don't have to be, you know, pigeonholed by our, our chromosomes that say we're male and female. Mm -hmm. And in fact, this can be something that we transition in and out of perhaps and and, uh, and we ought to be, not only can we do that, but we can be protected under the civil rights laws as a protected class, and everyone else around us now has to conform to this idea of who we say we are at any given moment. And the implications of that mm -hmm. are just not only sweeping, but they're damaging, mm -hmm. especially for women, when you think about all the things that we've had to fight for, even at the university level, just to have opportunities. Mm -hmm. Female athletics, female scholarships, you know, entry into leadership kinds of positions, and so forth. Women have done pretty Pretty well. Girls have done pretty good in, in the college campuses over the last couple decades, but that wasn't without a fight. Now Title IX is at complete risk under this kind of gender fluid ideology that says, well, any man who wants to say he is a woman at any given time can now be on the female team, can be a female athlete. We already see that titles have been taken away mm -hmm. from girls as a result. And so what's going on here is just not an acceptance or an affirmation of different views. It's actually, as you said, it's an ideological perspective that's being in a sort of subversive way very coercive. Mm -hmm. Those same students that were in the, that um, those orientations were put in little groups to talk about situations. And one of the things they were caught on is the question of that if you brought in ender kind of any gender pronoun analysis, mm -hmm. that you were called out for that. Meaning, okay, maybe your situation and how you would respond to the situation is laudable, but you are making judgments about the gender of, of those people in the story. Kids are going to be silenced. They will not talk in class mm -hmm. if they think that every time they open their mouths, they run the risk of being shut down. Yes, because it's a microaggression. Or, or yes, mm -hmm. or being or being somehow criticized for using a commonly accepted term, at least for the last two thousand years of our history or more, mm -hmm. that we were uh, that we're male and female, he and she, and your outward appearance can give you some clue mm -hmm. about that. Young student children now in elementary school are going to the principal's office on the basis of these things now if they have a, have a student in their class mm -hmm. who's maybe embracing a different notion of themselves for the moment and the teachers are having to affirm this. Parents are being not even told that their child might be considering the idea of the opposite sex in their classroom. So Johnny is Susie in the classroom, but Johnny's Johnny when he's home, then when the parent starts engaging with the, mm -hmm. the teacher, there's a conflict and the schools are overruling. This is dangerous. This is dangerous and we're asking our children to say what they know to be true is now a lie, is now has to be their truth, which is if Susie, who looks like Susie, now thinks she's Johnny, you have to call her Johnny and she's a boy. That's just wrong. Mm -hmm.
I've got so many things going through my head. If you come to ConcernWomen.org, we have a landing page that lays out some of the stories of, of this. And we're seeing lawsuits around the country based on this because um, it does have implications. We even have had this, and Doreen, you, you've worked mainly on this. We have this odd you know, situation where Women's Liberation Front, who are the radical feminists, have joined in coalition with Concerned Women for America because as women, radical feminist women, Christian conservative women, we recognize that women's privacy and safety are at risk when you say, because today, and because it doesn't have to be, you know, anything permanent. It's right. today, at this moment, I identify as a woman. That means you have to let me into your bathroom, into your locker room, into your domestic violence shelter. You're told you have no rights, whether you're the rescue mission, whether you are a domestic, a Christian domestic policy or domestic shelter. You have no rights to, to care for these women. And the women who are, who are very vulnerable have no rights. Mm -hmm. So the implications for school is... Your bathrooms, your locker rooms, even your dorm rooms no longer are single sex. That means anybody that wants to come in, and it doesn't matter about women's safety. And then for Title IX, which we're talking about women's sports, that work, women worked very hard in order to carve out an ability for women to have use of funds, use of tax funds equal to those of men. It was tax dollars that were being spent already to, in order for them to have sports that they could compete at. And it is, we have so much now. Mm -hmm. My daughter had so many more opportunities than I have. But all of this is at risk. We've got the the lawsuit in, in Connecticut with Selena Soul, who's lost titles in, because men are now competing in the state of Connecticut as women against other high school students, she can't win. Mm -hmm. We really are at this moment, I truly believe, where Christian women have to speak up. Mm -hmm. And I know we say this all the time, and it's true, but I feel it more acutely now than I think I ever have. Because if we don't speak up, no one will. The kids can't speak up for themselves. I'm hearing stories uh, at Virginia Tech about a professor who would not, this just happened, would not give, the proctor would not give the young woman her test to take, her quiz or whatever it was, until she, and she declared her pronoun. And she tried not, she didn't want to be a part of it, she didn't want to do it, she felt like it was anti-Christian. He would not give her her test until she declared her pronoun. Her rights are being trampled. I'm hearing from school employees and professors all over the country who feel bullied into silence. They are afraid of losing their jobs. Kids are afraid of losing financial aid. Their kids are afraid of being failed in from their classes. It's up to us. We have to speak up for them no matter what it costs us. So we've really come up with a few things that people can do. And so, Doreen, if you want to just share some of those. We want to hear mm -hmm. from, your, from you. We want to hear your stories. What are your experiences mm -hmm. here? This is the kind of thing that we need to be talking more and bringing into conversation. Please email us at universitywhistleblower at cwfa.org. Mm -hmm. The second thing is to call your state legislature. Call your legislators. Let them know how you feel about this. It's very important that they're aware that in their own states in the universities that you object to some of this social ideology that's being coerced on children and students today. Because it's, it's your tax kind of, money, by the way, even if you don't have kids. It is, and we shouldn't be having their time taken up with a fear about what pronouns they're going to use or having to you know, consent to some kind of ridiculousness like that to even take a test. Mm -hmm. This is wrong. And the third thing is we need for you to, to let the, the, the 
ad administrators mm -hmm. at your universities know that this is not acceptable as well. This is the kind of thing where we have to start putting the kind of pressure behind our words here in a way that's very active and very vocal. We cannot be willing to be silenced. We can't be silenced or we're going to lose. And our children are the ones losing now. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it dawns on me, and I'll let you close this up, that we have very thoughtfully raised our children with a biblical worldview. We also taught them to be kind. We taught them to love each other and to show Christ's love. And that doesn't mean bowing and ascending to some false notion of biology, but it does mean respect and civility. So if you could sort of talk, speak about that, Tony. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, I experienced this firsthand in Arlington, Virginia, where my children have gone to school, and it's very prevalent, this type of pronoun usage and safe places for LGBTQ. And what my children have done is just accept everyone. And mm -hmm. I think you've said it several times in some of your radio interviews, Penny, that left amongst themselves, our children They'll will work it do out. that. They'll work it out. Yeah. And so I would just leave it at that, that, mm -hmm. you know, we've raised them to do that. And I feel certain that they would be able to work this out on their own. Yeah, we worked very hard to teach them kindness and civility and to, and to love even people that don't agree with them or, or even aren't kind back to them. Um, but it's a whole other thing when the heavy hand of government, mm -hmm. the state, the, right. the school acting as an agent of the state forcing speech. And so that's the point we're trying to get across. So thank you so much for tuning in. This is, uh, this is pretty heavy. I know there's a lot of moms out there that can identify, identify with what's going on. And I, we just appreciate your prayers. Come join us at concernwomen.org. Look at what, what the action items we have given you. We need your prayers and support, and we're just so grateful for you. So thank you for using your voice. Thanks for listening. Use Your Voice is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. For more information, visit concernedwomen.org. That's concernedwomen.org.